Turn your Bibles to the book of Hosea. Might take you a while to get there. It's in the Minor Prophets. You can use that index in the front of your Bibles. Somebody paid for it. We've been, uh, we're going to look at Minor Prophets for a few more weeks after this, but as we've been looking at these Minor Prophets, I want to remind you that prophecy or prophets in the Old Testament had a message for the people, a message from God to the people. Uh, God had something to say, and he wanted to explain to them where they were at with him. He wanted to give them a look at his own heart. And this morning, as we look at the book of Hosea, I want to encourage you to hear the heart of God, to see it in action, to understand how God loves, how he is committed, how does he uh, relate with his people. And in so doing, it will cause us to look at our own hearts as well and to say, how do I relate to God? What is my relationship with him? And this morning will be a challenge. As you look to the book of Hosea, I want to encourage you uh, that this is not a book about human love or instruction for love, dating, and marriage. In fact, it's quite the opposite. Uh, If you're a young man, do not follow the book of Hosea uh, in the process of finding one to marry for a lifetime. As you look at the book of Hosea, it starts out in verse 1 of chapter 1. It says, The word of the Lord came to Hosea, the son of Berei, in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, and in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel. What that is, it's a time stamp. It's telling us when it was happening. It was taking the rulers of the day and saying, this is when this message came. You'd consider the, the time frame that it was talking about. It was a time of prosperity. And in prosperity, there is a sense of goodness of time. And what happens during those things most of the time? There's a drift of our dependence upon God. We walk away slowly by slowly because we don't have the desperation in our heart And the need in our own soul, we don't see it. And this is what happened to God's people. You also notice that uh, this is during during the time of the divided kingdom. uh, Through unfaithfulness to the Lord and uh, kingdoms were divided. And so as God uh, would desire, he desires to communicate with them. There was much immorality in the land. Uh, Maybe it could be said as the same to us today. Last week I talked to you and I I reminded us that we may have trashed our lives. We may have uh, done our best to trash our lives. But because of Jesus, we are not trash. And this particular book has this message so uh, fitting for us to look at as we consider the heart of God. Let me pray for us this morning. God, I ask that you would uh, speak clearly through me. I realize that um, there's so many uh, <clears throat> deficiencies in me in various ways, and yet your word is pure and true. It's effective. 
And God, I pray through your spirit this morning that it would work in all of us. God, uh, I ask that you would um, give us the proper amount of humility to take in a message like this. I find my own heart arguing with you as I go through the book of Hosea. It shouldn't be. Um, and God, yet this is your overwhelming love. God, help us to see a clear picture of how you want to communicate with us through the prophet Hosea. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Most of the time, uh, when you have the prophets, there's a message. There's a message. Uh, God gives the message to the prophet. He goes to the people and he shares the message with them. The book of Hosea is different in that he says, I don't want you to share the message Hosea, I want you to be the message, be the message. And so he takes Hosea's family and he says, you are going to be the picture to my people of our relationship one to another. Verse two says this, and this sets up all that uh, God gives to Hosea as his message. When the Lord first spoke through Hosea, Lord said to Hosea, go take to yourself a wife of whoredom and have children of whoredom. For the land commits great whoredom by forsaking the Lord. How do you like them apples? It's a rough message, isn't it? It's an amazing picture. He says to Hosea, go take a dirty wife. Go take a dirty wife and marry her. Go take a trashy woman and she should be your wife. Because this is what my people do to me. What a picture. And and as I read it, the youth pastor in me jumps out and says, No, don't do it. And yet this is a message inspired by God as he looks at his people. He says, go take the trashy woman. That's the one I want for you because I want you to show my people how our relationship is one to another. I look at this and uh, it just I just struggle on so many different ways. I, I struggle that God told Hosea to do this. This isn't something like, hey, this would be an idea of one way to communicate this message. He says, no, do it. And so what happens? You look at verse 3, it says this. So he went and took Gomer, the the daughter of Dilblame, and she conceived and bore him a son. We go on in the passage and it talks of three children. This is what it says in verse 4. And the Lord said to him, call his name Jezreel. For in just a little while I will punish the house of Jehu. For the blood of Jezreel. And I will put an end to the kingdom of the house of Israel. And on that day I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. As you consider the valley of Jezreel. Remember he's naming his children. Right? And God doesn't just take his marriage relationship. He takes his offspring and he says. Okay you have this son. Name him Jezreel. Which pointed back to. Uh, a different time in God's history with his people 
where he took Ahab and his sons and Jezebel. And that's where they met in the valley of Jezreel. That's where they met their demise. And he brought about their end. He destroyed them. He brought their destruction. And he says, name that first son, name him Jezreel. Because I want you to know that's what's coming. Destruction. Name your son that. You think about that and you think about uh, why you name your children what you name them. Some of you don't put a whole lot of thought into it. I'll admit that to you. I just like it. Others, you know, my my cousin has a a, a son named Easton, and uh, someone asked him, you know, why'd you name him Easton? He says, "Oh, I thought it was really cool that a bat company, a baseball bat company, was Easton." And so I, and I thought, great, you know. <laughs> Think about how many times you use the name of your children, parents. Depends how obedient they are, right? How many times you use their name, and sometimes you use their full name, right? But every time this this boy's name was pronounced Jezreel, it was a reminder of God's destruction and his judgment. We go on. Uh, as we look at verse 6, it says this, She conceived again, this dirty woman, and bore a daughter. And the Lord said to him, Call her name No Mercy. For I will no more have mercy on the house of Israel to forgive them at all. But I will have mercy on the house of Judah, and I will save them by the Lord their God. I will not save them by the bow or by the sword or by war or by horses or by horsemen. You've got a daughter now, and her name is No Mercy. Uh, because God is reminding them that as you say this young girl's name, this baby's name, that no mercy will come on my people because of the way they've acted. Second name, a second child. How's this setting up for good family life is what I'm wondering. Ver, uh, the third child. If you look at verse 8, it says this, When she had weaned no mercy, she conceived and bore a son. And the Lord said, Call his name, not my people. For you are not my people, and I am not your God. These are the days of the time of Hosea. This is the message. My people are the trashy woman, and their children, their offspring, are how I look at this. Destruction. I don't want to show mercy on you. I won't show mercy on you. And you're not my people. We have no relationship. I read this and it's it's burdening to my heart because I I have a tough time seeing this relationship being so bad. What this is, it's a picture of the human heart. It's the sin that we have, the idolatries that draw us away. And as God's people, we always want to say, yeah, you know, God just loves me. He just loves me. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a child of God, so I must be okay. You, undoubtedly, uh, nation of Israel, God's people, they thought that too. They said, yeah, I'm fine, you know. There's nothing going on. God loves me. God says, I have a message for you. A message for you. You're trashy. You're an unfaithful woman. 
your offspring remind you of of what I think about your sin, destruction, merciless. And the idea that you are not at one with me, you're not my people. If you look at chapter 2, starting at verse 1, I'll just read this to you and you can get God's heart on this. <coughs> Excuse me. Say to your brothers, you are my people, and to your sisters, you, you have received mercy. Plead with your mother, plead, for she is not my wife, and I am not her husband. And that she, she would put away her whoring from her face, and her adultery from between her breasts. Lest I strip her naked, and I make her as the day she was born, and I make her like a wilderness, and I make her like a parched land, and I kill her with thirst. Upon her children also I will have no mercy, because they are children of whoredom. For their mother has played the whore. She has conceived them as and, and has acted shamefully. For she has, she has, I go after my lovers, who give me my bread and water, my wool and my flax and my oil and my drink. Therefore I will hedge up her way with thorns and I will build a wall against her so that she cannot find her paths. She shall pursue her lovers but not overtake them and she shall seek them but shall not find them. Then she shall say, I will go and return to my first husband for it was better for me than now. And she did not know that it was I who gave her the grain, the wine, and the oil, and who lavished on her silver and gold, which they used for Baal. Therefore, I will take back my grain in its time and my wine in its season, and I will take away my wool and my flax, uh, which were to cover her nakedness. Now I will uncover her lewdness in the sight of her lovers, and, and no one shall rescue her out of my hand. And I will put an end to her myrrh and her feasts and her new moons, her Sabbaths and her appointed feasts. And I will lay waste her vines and her fig trees, of which she said, These are wages which my lovers have given me. I will make them a forest and the beasts of the field shall devour them. And I will punish her for the feast of days of the Baals when she burnt offerings to them and adorned herself with the ring and jewelry and went after her lovers and forgot me, declares the Lord. You get a picture there of God's broken heart for our wanderings. We see them as no big deals as God's people did. And they said, it's no big deals. I'm out doing my own thing. It's God's fine. But you sense the broken heart of God. But not a passive broken heart. I, I, as I look at this section and I read this, I, I see that God opposes us in our sin. He, he goes before his wife, who's out there doing these things, and he's, he's messing up her plans. He's putting barriers in the midst of her sin. And, and she's out there and she says, my life is a mess. And that's what we say sometimes. We say, my life is a mess. I'm so unhappy. Why? Why? 
when we forget that the Almighty doesn't tolerate us to have other lovers. He wants an exclusive relationship to Him. That He won't share our affection with anybody. That, that sometimes we, we get this attitude that God's just supposed to make me happy and bless my mess. That we should be able to wander and, and in our sin that somehow that's supposed to be fulfilling and, and happiness is to follow. And when we're frustrated, we need to know that that's God being faithful to draw us back. He's being faithful to frustrate us in our sin. That we would come back to the place where we would say, as Gomer said, in verse 7, Then she shall say, I will go and return to my first husband, for it was better for me than now. You know what? You know the best place for us is in sweet, close, tight relationship with the Lord. That's the best place for us. That's, that's where happiness is found. That's where fulfillment, security, it, it, it'll thrill us. It, it, it will stir hearts. It, it will be the thing that keeps us going. Because God has designed us for relationship with Him. So what does Hosea and God do? If you look at verse 14 and 15, this is what it says. Therefore, behold, I will allure her. I will bring her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. And I will give her her vineyards, and I will make the valley of Achor a door of hope. What sweet words. The heart of God laid out before us. What does He do when we have wandered? He pulls us into the quiet place. It says He allures her. He, he entices her away from the sin. He brings her away. He brings her to the wilderness. And what does it say? He scolds her roughly. Doesn't say that, does it? It says he speaks tenderly to her. Speaks tenderly to her. He draws her in and he restores her, her wealth, her protection, her, her, um, the, the needs he meets in the wilderness. He takes care of her. And then it says something that's super important for us to understand. He says, he says this, and make the valley of Achor a door of hope. Achor uh, means trouble, the valley of trouble. Achor was a place, if you uh, look through, especially the book of Joshua, a fitting event that would have drawn everyone back. There was a time... It God's people when they were taking the land, the, the promised land, and they were going about from city to city, and they weren't supposed to take certain things. And uh, one man, Achan, thought it was no big deal. So he saw some things, and he took them to himself, and he hid them. And it brought destruction to God's people. And they were wondering what had happened. And they finally figured it out by God's blessing and showing them that Achan was the one. And Achan and all his family died for the sins that they had committed. The Valley of Achor. Valley of Trouble. 
You say, I've been in the Valley of Acor. <laughs> you know, some days I feel like I live there. I feel like I've set up a home. I've graduated from Acor University. That's where I, I've lived my whole life. And, and this is the picture. This is the picture. As God takes the trashy woman and in her sinfulness and in her chasing after other things, what does he say? He says, I pull you back. I pull you back. I speak sweetly to you. And I take you from the valley of Achor to where? To the door of hope. To the door of hope. See, he takes us in our life that is trash and trashed, right? He takes us from there and he brings us to the place of sweetness, the door of hope, the door of, uh, of opportunity, the door of new life. I love it. We struggle with this, don't we? Who's this talking about? Oh, you know, I know some trashy people that this is talking about. Oh, you know, that one person. That one person. Yeah, I I can imagine God's people as they see this playing out. What is Hosea? If I could put this in terms for you this morning. Hosea is this godly young man. You can see the call of God on his life. He, He loves God. You can see it in all that he does. He's a good preacher. He, he's got a ministry to the people around him. A single guy. And you just think the best of him. And then it's scandalous. He takes the trashy wife. And the scandal is just keeping on going on because she's out there. She's, she's doing it. Some have struggled with whether she was like this before when they got married or that just came after. I don't think it really matters, right? Because... People are who they are, right? They they continue on. It's it's in their heart, and then it comes out in their actions. But it's scandalous what's happened, and and you know as word filters out, and they say, "Oh, this is a message for God's people," and they're looking at Hosea's family, and they go, "Oh yeah, I totally know who that's about. It's about their family over there." I know some people like that. You're the man. You're the woman. This is about you. Some of you have already thought through a uh, cross-reference in the book of James, chapter 4, where it says, you adulteresses or adulterous people. Don't you know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? Don't you know? What he describes here and what he lays out in their immorality is spiritual adultery. It's saying, as we walk away from the Lord, we're walking away from the relationship, the the beautiful marriage relationship we are to have with God. A a message um, that a marriage is supposed to be faithful. We are to find our hope and our, our worth and our life in Him. And so um, He shares with them and He says, Look, I will offer you the door of hope out of the valley of Achor. We go on uh, in chapter 2. 
It goes on to say this in verse 21. And in that day I will answer, declares the Lord, I will answer the heavens and they shall answer the earth. And the earth shall answer the grain and the wine and the oil. And they shall answer Jezreel. And I will sow for her myself in the land. Wait a minute. Jezreel? Is he talking about the kids again? Yes, he's talking about the kids. The kids are a picture. What was he going to bring in Jezreel? Destruction. But now he's planting. <laughs> he's planting. It's no longer a field of destruction. Now it's, it's the idea of harvesting and raising crops. We go on. He talks about Jezreel. And then in the middle of verse 23, he says, I will have mercy on no mercy. A mercy on no mercy. And I will, then he goes on to the third child and he says, I will say to not my people, you are my people. And they shall say, you're my God. Um, we finally got there, right? You knew we were going there, right? God wasn't going to hold, hold on to that forever, wasn't he? Uh, you're so good at grace. Most of us are so good at it. We're like, of course God loves me. It doesn't matter what I do. He just loves me. I don't know why he loves me. It's not a big deal. My sin is not a big deal because God loves me. And he does. But as you hear his heart and as you hear his, his actual view of our wanderings, man, it's awful. It's awful. It's hard for us to even fathom that he would talk in terms like this of destruction, of no mercy, of you're not my people. And yet, in his grace, in his grace, he says, I again will take you back. You look at chapter 3, and it describes how he gets there, how he gets there. And this is very similar to what we see in the New Testament of how we get there with him. And the Lord said to me, go again, love a woman who is loved by another man and is an adulteress, even as the Lord loves the children of Israel, though they turn to other gods and love cakes of raisins. That probably doesn't sound very good to you. Why would anyone have a bake a cake and then put raisins in them? Ruins the cake. Um, It wasn't all about the dessert. It was about what the dessert was used for. It was part of an idol worship. And, and so it was, it was connected with that. And you say, you love it. You love worshiping idols. But this is what it says in verse 2. So I bought her. So I bought her. She'd been out selling herself, but I bought her. She's my wife. She's the one I love. She's the one I'm committed to, so I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and a homer and a letheth of barley. And I said to her, you must dwell as mine for many days. You shall not play the whore or belong to another man. So will I also be to you. For the children of Israel shall dwell many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or pillar, without ephod or household gods. Afterward, the children of Israel shall return and seek their Lord, the the Lord their God, and David their king, and they shall come in fear to the Lord. 
and to the goodness in the latter days. He redeems them. He redeems them. He buys them. They're up for sale and he pays the price. You think about how the Lord did that for us on the cross, right? That we were out doing our own thing. We were out enslaved to sin. We thought we were living, but we realized we were dying and we couldn't get out of it apart from him. So what did the Lord do? He said, I bought them. I paid the price. I redeemed them. As we go on in the book of Hosea, we realize that he bought the dirty woman. This wasn't a good deal. This wasn't a good deal. There had to be better ones. We, we think in our own mind, well, if she wanted to run, if, if she didn't want to be a part of him, if she was causing him all this shame, why doesn't he just let her go? Get another one. Well, the reason he didn't do that was because he was a prophet. Not because he was a prophet, but he was playing out something by God's own design, part of his message. His message was, this is what I do. This is my heart. I chase you down. I will buy you back. After you've sold yourself out, he bought the dirty woman. I just want to remind you, this is not a marriage message. It's not a dating message. Guys, don't look for the dirtiest woman you can find. It's not good for you. But this is what God did. This is what he did. One final word. If you turn over to Hosea chapter 14. As you think about this this morning, um, I want you to hear the answer the question in your own heart. What, what's the best place for me? Where do I need to be? If you look at the last two verses in chapter 14, I realize we've just skimmed over so much of this. This is what it says in verse 8 and 9. O Ephraim, what have I to do with idols? It is I who answer and look after you. I am like an evergreen cypress. From me comes your fruit. Whoever is wise, let him understand these things. Whoever is discerning, let him know them. For the ways of the Lord are right, and the upright walk in them. But transgressors stumble in them. As you look at that, I want to ask you this question. What's the best place for you? What's the best place for you? The answer found in the book of Hosea is in a faithful relationship with the Lord. Where you're not wandering. You're not out in spiritual adultery. Where you're close to Him. This morning, if you've connected it, maybe you haven't. You say, well, what does this have to do with missions? we got the big ball behind us here. Um, what does this have to do with missions? Has everything to do with missions? Who do you want to be a part of Bear Valley Church? Who 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 is our target? Who is the the one that we need to be sharing the gospel with? Well, if you look through your neighborhood, you know that one guy who doesn't mow his lawn. 
He's always got all those cars in front of his house. He's always working on them. You know, I, his kids are always running in the streets, like, you know, totally disobedient. It's just, oh, it's just awful. Uh, they, they would wreck our church if they would come inside. But there's this other nice couple. They baked me a cake one time. They, they always have the nicest, cleanest house. They've got a job. You know, they'd probably be good givers. But they just don't know the Lord. Those are the ones. And, and what that is in the heart of us as a gospel sharer and us as a church that, that we love the gospel and then it goes out from here is this. That if we see ourselves, if we look at ourselves and we go, we're good people. There's bad people out there. There's, I'm a good person right here. I'm good. They're bad. They need the gospel so they won't be bad and then they can be like me. If we see that, I want to tell you it's going to mess up everything. If we don't see ourselves as the one that's prone to wander, prone to wander, we will not have a heart for people. If we don't see ourselves as the one that's trashy, the one that's prone to wander, we won't have compassion on those who are out there who are swimming in their own sin. We won't see them as people who need the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is how this fits into missions. Please pray with me. God, thank you for this morning. Uh, I ask that your word would just have ripple effects in our heart, that it would just continue to bounce around and as your spirit applies it. Lord, I pray that you would um, apply it in the hearts of men and women here today. I pray that if there are any here uh, who are wandering, either have never come to know you or chasing after other things. Lord, I pray that your word would bring them back to where they need to be with you. God, thank you for your grace and mercy to us, your love that is hard for us to even understand because it's so amazing. God, thank you for this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.